Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Executive Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, last week we talked about casting changes at Days of Our Lives, but didn't even scratch the surface, really. In this week's issue, we have an interview with a Keitra civilian who had been cast as Jada's sister, Talia, and has now wrapped her run. So I was bummed to hear the news because I thought she was a good addition to the cast. And having another kid related to Marcus Hunter and by extension, Steve, was a plus in my book. Um, Akitra admits that the cast was on edge once they heard about the budget cuts back in March. And then when she was summoned to then co-executive producer Albert Alar's office, she was nervous but not expecting to get pink slipped. So she describes their conversation as respectful and that her exit was more of a last in first out scenario but it still was a blow. Akitra says it was a great experience and she made great friends at the show and would love the opportunity to come back if it presented itself. So also off the canvas are Brandon Beamer, Sean, uh, another big bummer because I feel he's been doing the best work of his career in the wake of Bo's shooting. Luis Sorella's Vivian, which means our classic line section might be a little leaner now. And Kyle Louders Rex, who I profiled in a recent issue as he has pivoted careers into newscasting in Reno, Nevada. Well, I agree with you that it is a shame to see Talia exit before we necessarily got to see the full potential of that character. You know, I, I loved the idea of having another of Marcus's daughters on the canvas. And of course, anytime Louise Sorrell is on the canvas, viewers are richer for it. But I'm taking Brandon's exit the hardest. I think there was so much more story left to tell uh, with Sean and with Sean and Belle as a couple, and particularly in light of the recent exits of Nadia Bjorlin as Chloe and John Paul Lavoisier as Philip. It's a real blow for those fans whose allegiance to Days was really rooted in you know, falling in love with Sean and Belle and Chloe and Philip and that set of characters when they took center stage toward the turn of the century. You know, I do think there are a lot of fans who came to days post the 80s golden era of Steve and Kayla and Bo and Hope, etc. Past the 90s golden era of Sammy, Austin, Carrie, Lucas and so forth. And so for those fans, these are the characters that really pulled them in and that they are so deeply invested in. So to lose them essentially all at once is hard. And, you know, these are obviously characters who have come and gone before. And I certainly hope this isn't goodbye. It's see you later. And that later is sooner rather than later. 
Oh, me too. I mean, I have an affinity for the dot-com crew, if you will, and not seeing them around um, just doesn't feel complete. Never mind that these are legacy characters to the canvas as they are the children of people we love. Um, but I have always praised Ron Carlovati and his team of writers for weaving characters in and out of the canvas so seamlessly. And for that reason, I'm hoping we will see them all again soon. So in that same vein, Brian DeTillo is back as Lucas and James Reed has returned as Clyde. Their story will pick up in Statesville where the two of them are serving sentences. And it's been a minute since we've seen them. So I am all about tuning in for the next chapter of that story. Clyde will have a thing or two to say to Ava, played by Tamara Braun, another character who recently came back after being written out for a bit. And Lucas is poised to cross paths with a lot of his family members, hopefully. Um, now, for fans of General Hospital, there's a big Nina moment happening this week. And based on the emails I get to our sound off inbox, viewers have been waiting for it. Yes, indeed. So now that Michael knows that it was Nina who had Martin report Drew and Carly to the SEC for insider trading, the million dollar question becomes, what is he going to do about it? Well, expect an epic showdown between Michael and Nina this coming week that will shed major light on that very matter. And while Drew is poised to go back to Pentonville after his hospital release, someone uh, he will not be bumping into there anymore is Cyrus, as Cyrus was able to secure his release after he forced Austin to testify on his behalf. So expect a wide range of reactions, minus any happy ones, as Cyrus begins to make his presence in Port Charles known. Well, speaking of Port Charles, the biggest news of late is the return of today's guest. It's Rena Sofer, who recently reprised the role of Lois Cerullo. So let's get her on the line and see how it's all going. Hi, Rena. Hi. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? Really good and could not be more excited to be talking to you today. Um, especially because the last time we caught up with you on the podcast, it was on the heels of your exit from Bold and Beautiful. So we have a lot of general hospital chatting to do. Uh, but yes. first, tell us about your life post B&B before GH came back into the picture. What have you been up to? Uh, I took a year of spending time with my daughter, Avalon, before she goes to college. So I really wanted you know, I really wanted to spend that last year with her not working um, and also, you know, not dealing with, you know, all the stuff pertaining to work. I just really wanted to focus on her. It was, um, you know, we were looking at colleges. We were applying to colleges. We were dealing with uh, reading her essays um, over and over and over and over again. And um we just, you know, Sandy and I really just wanted to make sure, you know, we, we, um, I was really fortunate because of Bold and the Beautiful to be able to be a full-time stay-at-home mom. So uh, I didn't have a nanny and it was just, you know, Sandy and I raising her. Um, and um, um, it was a real gift to us to be able to fully focus on her for the last year of her high school career and be there for every single moment of it prom and everything. And, and so that's really what I did that last year. Well, also since your last time on the podcast, she has gone off to college. So tell us what it has been like having an empty nest. I mean, you've had kids in the house for a long time. Yes. Uh, I have been a mom for 
ever, really. Um, uh, Rosabelle is uh, nine years older than Avalon. Um, so, you know, really 30, almost 30 years uh, I've been, you know, uh, raising and taking care of the kids, you know, with Sandy. And, um, and uh, I really uh, knew that I was going to be excited about the prospect of being an empty nester. And it's not, you know, and, and I think I get a lot of flack for saying this because people are like, oh my God, don't you miss your daughter? Well, of course I miss my daughter. I miss all of my daughters. I've got one in Iowa. I've got one in Pittsburgh. And now I've got one, you know, in uh, um, Illinois. And uh, I am I am missing all of them. And I will always miss all of them. But there's a really big difference between missing your child and waking up in the morning and going, what do I want to do? You know, and um, anybody who knows me knows that I love to play Candy Crush. Uh, and, um, for me, sometimes I will, there are days where I don't have to work and, you know, everything's good. And I just get up and I sit on the couch and I will just sit and play for hours. And Sandy will look at me and say, what are your plans today? And I'll be like, you're, you're looking at it. And I'll be playing Candy Crush and he'll be talking to me. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I I'm, I'm on a roll. I'm on a roll. So, you know, I, I, it's nice to have time for yourself and, to be able to, for, for once in 30 years, really put myself in, in, in the place of what do I want to do for the day? So I really am enjoying it. I'm jealous. And I love that. Um, (laughs) Now, needless to say, as soon as Ned regained consciousness, thinking he was Eddie Main, General Hospital fans were hoping and praying that this would lead to a comeback by Lois. But that was all the way back in June. So when in the process Hmm. did you first hear from GH? Well, um, I heard from GH uh, in, um, I remember uh, he reached out to me um, basically before the actor's strike. So um, I can't remember exactly when, but he, you know, Frank uh, Valentini kind of texted me and just said, hey, can I talk to you? And I said, sure. And, you know, I never had any plans to go back to General Hospital and I never had any plans to go um, really back to the the soap world. Um, um, And uh, but Frank reached out to me and he just said, listen, there's this story and this is the idea. And I'm just wondering, since you're free, would you come and just, you know, he's like, I'm not signing you to a contract. You know, there's there's a lot of women on our show. We don't need more contract women on the show. But I think Lois has a place for a short amount of time. And I was like, you know what? That sounds great. It's been a long time since I had worked. It's been a year. And, you know, Avalon um, was, you know, um, still at home at that point. And, you know, we talked about when I would be available to do it. And I said, I'm available to do it the day after I come back from dropping her off at school. I don't want to do it before then. Um, I want to be I want to be here for her. I want to take her to school and then you can have my full attention. So I literally, my first day of shooting with uh, with General Hospital was the day after I came back from dropping Avalon off at college. Wow. That's incredible. So you made it sound like it was a very easy yes, but like what went into, you know, like what attracted you to the idea and what really went into saying, yes, I'm, I'm really, really on board with this. <laughs> Um, Well, here's the thing. I have worked as an actress for 37 years. I've played lots of different characters. I've been on nighttime and daytime and movies and 
And, um, and I've been a really, really fortunate actress to be able to have made a living as an actor for as long as I have. But there are very few roles you play that you love. And there are very few roles that you play that you go, that, that was, that was great. And Lois for me is that, um, I, 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 I can't, I can't really, I can't really even describe it. She's, she's one of those people that you meet at a party and you're like, I want to be best friends with her. She's like, um, it's like every time you watch a Julia Roberts movie and you're like, I bet if, if Julia Roberts got to meet me, we'd be best friends. And, you know, cause she just is like the coolest and the not, you know, whatever. Um, obviously that's what I think about Julia Roberts, but, <laughs> um, but, um, um, Lois, you know, Lois is the kind of character who is, is, is she's great because Claire made her great, right? She's great because she was written great. I didn't create Lois as a character. I followed the lead of who Lois was by the brilliant Claire Levine and what, and then I put my own spin on her, which then made her important to me. But the thing I love about Lois is, you know, there are, there are nice characters on soaps. There are bad characters on soaps. There's the, you know, there's the one who always gets screwed over. And then there's the one who always screws people over. I mean, there's very little in soaps where there's, there's a, there's a, a sense of, of a, of a humanness, so to speak. It's not humanity. It's humanness like that. They, that they're not just all good or all bad. Right. And, so for me as an actress, I'm always trying to find uh, um, um, who that person is and, and what, what makes them tick and, and why they do what they do. And for Lois, it's really very simple. She is a woman who is driven by her integrity, period. She just has integrity. And she, when she makes a choice, it's not because it's good. It's not because it's bad. It's based on who she was raised to be. And I think that sets her apart from any other character you see on a soap because, you know, it's like, I don't like playing gold diggers because their only motivation is money, right? And so you don't really get a sense of who they are or, or why it's, you know, it's money, 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 money. And when you have a character that is is spurred on by her integrity, then then it makes that person so much richer and more interesting. And so I I love who this person was. And then to be able to make her funny and full of 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 this personality of she has OCD. She wakes up every morning, knows what she's going to wear and changes her nails to match what she's wearing every single day. And, you know, she loves her accent. She loves where she's from. She loves who she was born to and the family she was born to. And she just, she has full pride. The thing is, you know, you, you can walk in, you know, to a situation where Lois is talking like this and people will go, oh, you stupid. And she's like, oh yeah, you want to try it? And she's a math genius you know, and she, she can rattle off information to you because she's brilliant. So, so she doesn't allow people to put her down by the way she sounds or from where she is. She literally just stands there and goes, I have no issue with who I am. If you have an issue with who I am, that's not my problem. That's your problem and moves on. You know, she doesn't hate you for it. She's not going to hurt you for it, but she is going to be who she is. And for me, and, and the very long-winded answer to why 
I chose to come back is because to be able to play this woman again, A, is a gift. B, to play her 30 years later, 27 years later, and be a mother to Brooklyn and have, and have that relationship to play is an even bigger gift. So I am grateful to Frank for offering that gift to me. It feels very full circle and it just feels just, uh, uh, it's just, it just felt right. And so I, I said, yes. Now, was there any, and time? now your podcast is over. <laughs> Thanks so much, Reno. We'll talk to you soon. Right. Um, right. Now over 27 years, I mean, was there ever a time where you sort of look back fondly, like, Oh, that would be fun to play her again. Or I wish I could play her again. Or had you really kind of closed the chapter in your mind on Lois? Well, listen, you know, it becomes more difficult than that, right? Because if I came back to the show 10, 15 years ago, right? People are going to want to see Lois and Ned be together again. I mean, that's kind of the the thing, right? Well, I can't do that because I was married to Wally Kurth, who plays Ned. And we're both remarried, although I'm divorced, but going to be remarried to the same man. Um, and I a, think... And and I don't know how Wally feels about this, but that would be pretty cruel to our spouses. I just don't think that that's okay. Uh, I wouldn't be okay with it. I would never ask my husband to be okay with me doing love scenes with my ex-husband. I just think that that's wrong on every sense of the word. Um, and I understand we're actors, but it, it's beside that, right? So for me to come back 10, 15 years ago it would have really only made sense if I came back and there was going to be a, a reconnection of Ned and Lois, right? And that's just not going to happen. And it was never going to happen. And so coming back now, you know, one of the first conversations I had with Frank was, you know, and he goes, oh, no, 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 no. He goes, he's happily married. He just doesn't know who his wife is, you know, and we need you to help him figure out that he needs to be with the woman he's supposed to be with. And that's when I was like, that's great. That's that's a great story, you know, and, and also surprise, surprise, I get to have some really fun scenes with Lisa Lo Cicero, who I grew up with, you know, Lois grew up with. And it's like, oh my God, that could also be fun, you know, so that I'm there to help her be with the man that she loves. So for me, it's just, um, it's just, it, it, it just made sense now it didn't make sense back then i'm curious because of how beautifully and eloquently you speak to what makes lois unique and the voice that you in partnership with claire established for her was there any part of you that was like worried like if i go back i will taint the legacy of this perfect little chapter that I had? No, I never had any feeling at all that I would ever taint anything having to do with Lois. And I think it's because I, I, I know her. So I just allowed her to re, re reconnect in me at my age. The show has done an amazing job at writing for me. And then I just, I just add my, add my lowestness to it. And there's been very little bit where I've changed a few things to be like, she wouldn't say that, you know, there, there, there are moments um, where 
you know, Lois would, you know, Lois had a line where she called uh, Chase uh, Brooklyn's better half. And I changed it to uh, Chase was, you know, that Brooklyn was Chase's better half, you know, like that kind of stuff where I go, you know, you know, this, this girl's my everything and, and everybody else comes second. Even if I love you for her, she's still, you're still going to come second to her. So you know, little stuff like that. I just made sure to to keep on track. But other than that, no, it's it's been it's great. Love it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you and Wally do have a daughter, Rosabelle, in real life. So, what was her mm-hmm. reaction to the prospect of seeing her parents working together again? <gasps> oh my god! Oh my god! First of all, she had a viewing party for the first episode. Um, she she was so excited. I mean, I think. I think it was, you know, you know, every kid of divorce wants to hear that their parents are getting back together, except of course for Avalon, who, when we told Avalon, we were getting back together, she was like, what you put me through that. Now you're going to put me through it again. And but with Rosabelle, she was so excited. And I think it's just because, you know, she, she watched us get divorced. She watched us move on and, 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 it was always her with her dad and his family, always her with me and and this family. But this is her opportunity to see her worlds meld in a very friendly, very happy, joyous way. And 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 it also didn't include everybody else around. It just included her parents. It was just us. And um, and I think that makes her so happy. So we're we're I'm hoping that. Closer to Christmas time, um, I may still have an episode or two uh, to to shoot that maybe um, she can come and watch us on set, um, which I think she would really, really enjoy. But she she's over the moon, over the moon. So excited. I, I love it. All right. Well, I know that before your first day of shooting, you went out to lunch with your fictional on-screen daughter, Amanda Seton, and Wally joined you. So who instigated the lunch and what was the lunch like? I, I had talked to Amanda prior to the lunch and she was so psyched about it. Um, it was my idea. Um, I was hoping to get uh, Lisa Locicero to join us, but I had lunch with her separately. Um, and, you know, really for me, what I wanted is over the last 27 years, what have you discussed about Lois? What should I know about Lois? Do you know where I am, what I've been doing? What's our relationship? Does Ned hate me? Does, um, does you know, does Brooklyn hate me? You know, because I don't know. You know, for me, Lois was a mom. Thank, thank goodness um, um, Brooklyn didn't come back on the scene until she was a teenager, which means I raised her, right? I mean, she may have come and visited from what I understood, but I raised her, right? So, so I wanted to make sure that the relate, I wanted to understand what the relationship was. Cause when I walk in there, I'm either going to walk in like the mom I knew Lois to be, or I have to walk in as the mom you're going to tell me she was, you know? Um, and I really wanted to, uh, also create a, a familial relationship. You know, I, 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 as a mom, I, I, um, uh, um, it's so funny because as a, as a real life mom, I'm not the most touchy feel like I'm not the one who like touches my kids all the time. Um, um, but, uh, like, uh, when I was on Bold and the Beautiful, I, um, I modeled my character, uh, um, very much after somebody I knew. And so I was very touchy feely with, uh, 
with Darren Brooks's character, like almost to the point of it's gross, you know, like <laughs> super gross, like really, really on the verge of not being okay. Um, um, and then for Amanda, you know, I know, I know Ellen and when Ellen and I played our, I mean, she just touches me all the time. So I really wanted to be very hands-on with Brooklyn, but I wanted to make sure that, you know, when you work with other characters, you've got to make sure they're okay if you're kind of manhandling them. And so I wanted to make sure she was okay with that and, and everything. And I'm always touching her. And um, and also, you know, just just to say hello. And, you know, I know how quick we work when we do soaps. And um, it was so funny because Frank was like, you know, we work fast. I'm like, really? Who are you talking to? We do eight episodes in four days on Bull and the Beautiful. And I literally say everything. So, you know, I'm okay. <laughs> um, um, but, but, uh, but I wanted to make sure we weren't forced into that moment on the day I meet her. I wanted to have, you know, time. And also, I mean, I don't think I, I, it, it would have made more sense for me to be Amanda's mother, you know, as, as a Jew. That it would have been. The fact that we're both Italian Catholic, but both she and I are come from like, you know, she's very religious as a Jew and I come from a very religious Jewish background is hilarious. So I just, I wanted to create a relationship with, with everyone before I walked on set because they were the first people I was working with. And also it was a relationship that was built on the show and should be somewhat understandable in real life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, now, was there anything that made you nervous or gave you anxiety before you returned for your first day again? Yeah. Yeah. It's like going to your, your high school reunion, right? Like, you know, you, you, you don't know if, if people are going to want you there, if they're going to resent you being there, if they, you know, there are many people on that show. You know, I left the show and then very soon after Wally and I got divorced and, you know, I, I, I can be really sensitive about what people think of me. And uh, I didn't know if, you know, people hated me for divorcing him because he stayed and I left. And I didn't know if, I just didn't know who liked me and who didn't. So I was really scared to really walk in there and, and say hi to someone and have them go, oh, hi, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and nobody was, everybody was great. I mean, it was just like, you know, walking on set saying hi to Jeannie Francis and Lynn and Christina Wagner and um, Ken and John and John. And I mean, it was just like, it, it was, it, it was, they were so welcoming to me. I really had no reason to be nervous, but yeah, I was, I was nervous. That that occurred to me, you know, that we've only seen you play opposite a very finite number of characters so far, but I was thinking there are so many people in the cast that you would have socialized with or, you know, done events yeah. with blah, blah. And uh, so I, I love that for you. And I would be yeah. on a plane to California if anyone was mean to you. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody um, was mean to me. Yeah. Okay. So as we've discussed, Lois uh, is a character who not only has a distinctive you know, accent, but a distinctive look as well. And of course, it's all it's all about the fingernails. So what went into creating the, the look for the Lois of 2023? Well, you know, as soon as... Frank and I came to an agreement about me coming back. I said, you know, I, you got to get me some nails. And he was like, oh, that's okay. We'll, we'll have the hair and makeup department, you know, do that. And I said, okay. 
I said, well, they should call me because uh, it's very specific. And he's like, it's okay. And so when I went in for my wardrobe fitting, um, the uh, head of the hair and makeup department, you know, pulls out this bag and shows me all these like Lee press on nails. And I went, no, 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 no. And, and I understand why would she think anything different, right? This character has long fingernails. So she gets me like this array of pre-made fingernails. And I said, no, 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 you don't get it. You don't get it. Uh, they have to match her outfits. Like they, they have to match her outfits. Like she's wearing black and white. The nails have to be black and white. If the outfit is gray, they got to be gray and they can't just be gray. They have to be like, I, I, you know, I said to the woman who makes my nails, I go, they have to be just to the edge of tacky and one step back, you know, <laughs> and, um, and not, and not today's nails, like not the real pointy, fangy, uh, you know, claw-like looking nails. No, this girl is old school. And so, so after that, I, I reached out to Frank and I said, listen, I said, if I don't make this important, the fans are going to be pissed because if they just see something they can buy on the shelf, they're going to be like, what the hell is going on? So, um, because they're going to want to see what my nails look like. Like Every every day I change clothes. Those real real Lois fans are going to be like, "What nails is she wearing?" So he reached out um, through the the um, hair and makeup department to this incredible uh, uh, nail artist um, named um, Amber Studer, and she and I sat down in her house for like three and a half hours. And we went over all the clothes. We got pictures of all the outfits that they had gotten for me. And I said, okay, so this one needs to be red. We should put a little of this in it and a little of that. And then she would send me pictures. And then she'd say, how's this? And I'm like, that looks great. Now we got to zhuzh it up, you know? And, and I would add this to it or that to it or this. So she started doing that where she would start with a nail and then she would send it to me and, you know, um, see what I, what I thought, because it, it it's all part of it for, for Lois, you know, it, the, the nails have to be part of this, this character. Um, it's also part of who she is. You know, she, this is her daily routine. This is what she does every day. She gets up, she does her nails. This is her thing. So um, I wanted to kind of keep that alive. I, I love that the nails had note sessions. I, I live. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and every day, every single day, there's a, there's a camera woman who's like, what are the nails today? There's, uh, you know, Sean, the, the wardrobe designer wants to see, you know, what nails we matched with what, you know, what outfit and, um, and it's really, it's really fun. And so, um, um, in fact, Frank just reached out to me. He's like, you know, um, um, have we surpassed the, the amount of nails we've ordered? And I said, we're almost there. And he's like, we're going to need to order more. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's so great. Um, yeah. Now, the character of Olivia didn't exist during your first GH run, but the backstory they subsequently established on the show is that Olivia was part of the Bensonhurst crew that Lois grew up with. So first, had you ever met Lisa Lo Cicero? And then how did the two of you go about establishing that, you know, childhood friend kind of familiarity and chemistry? We had never met before. Um, we went out to lunch, had a wonderful glass of wine, 
And just, you know, I'm like, well, what do I know about her? And, you know, what do you know about Lois? And she's like, I just know that I grew up in Bensonhurst and that you and I were best friends growing up. Um, so, you know, one of the things I wanted to establish was we had to have a nickname for each other, um, because best friends do. So, you know, we came up with, um, Lolo and Vivi and, um, it, 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 it helps to have those moments where when you want to talk to someone and you're like putting the, the business aside and you're like, you, you know, you're talking to somebody in the way that, that other people don't talk to that person, you know? So I really wanted to establish those, those moments, you know, um, with her and, you know, again, can I touch you? Cause Lois is going to touch you, you know, a lot. Um, and so, uh, um, but yeah, I wanted to just kind of, you know, understand that. And then the show, and you'll see it um, coming up, the show's been really good at, at growing moments in that, that make us, you know, uh, that make the audience understand that we, that we know each other. Well, I yeah. thought that the, the loud squealing reunion of Lois and Olivia was a hoot. Uh, I don't want to tell tales out of school, but Wally told me he thinks you guys could have even gone louder. I don't know if it's possible. <laughs> Who do you think was ultimately louder, you or Lisa? Oh, um, I, I generally think that most people who have ever met me will say I'm as loud as they come. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So I'm not I'm not going to let Lisa win that one. I, I remember I've told the story a million times, but when Francesca James was the uh, director before she became the producer of General Hospital, when I was first on there. Uh, she was the director and, you, you know, we'd be having these big quarter main scenes um, with everybody in there and you'd hear her coming from the from the booth and she'd be walking and you'd hear these little click, 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 you know, walking and you go, oh, well, Francesca's coming. And she'd go, she, she loved to smack her hands together and she would just go, hey, everybody, you know, come on, I need everybody's energy up. This is a group scene. I can't hear any of you. Rena a little bit lower. That was always her note. A little bit lower. Love it. I love it. Um, well, speaking of the Quartermains, um, what was it like for you to step into the mansion set for the first time? I mean, it's been refurbished a bit, but did it trigger memories for you? You know, the set didn't trigger many memories for me because it's been like literally completely redone. I mean, even the entrance, I think, is from a different way. Um, but, um, uh, but, um, seeing pictures of Anna Lee and John and Stuart on set, that was, that was, you know, that was special and brought back a lot of memories and yeah, was, was, was interesting. It was, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I wasn't there to say goodbye to everyone and, and, um, you know, see anybody again, but I have such fond memories of, of those people and, and, you know, Rosalind Cash. And I just, it, it, it was, it, you know, General Hospital was a huge, huge part of my life. I mean, enormous. Um, Rosabelle and Megan, you know, my, my daughters, you know, came to me from there and so much happened from being on that show. So, um, yeah, I, I can't, I, I can't deny that. Yeah. 
Well, there is one very important legendary member of the Quartermain family who is very happily there to be part of the storyline, and that is Jane Elliott as Tracy. Uh, tell me about seeing her for the first time and what it's been like to work with her. Going to work, you know, again, as I said before, one of the things that I was most worried about was who was going to be okay with me? Was everybody going to welcome me back? And, you know, obviously I was really scared um, about working with Jane because I haven't really spoken to her. I haven't spoken to her since um, Scott Barton had a, a goodbye party um, when he moved to Colorado. I think it was that. Um, wow. And um, yeah, it was a really long time ago. And so, you know, these are people I haven't seen in a really long time, but I was so excited to work with Jane because first of all, she's Jane, right? But the other thing is, you know, when Lois was first on the show, she was a kid and here's this grown woman who's scary, right? You know, not Jane, but Tracy, scary. And um, and Jane comes with her own energy in that, in that particular sense, right? But now I'm an adult. So my, the mo one of the more exciting things was to get to work with Jane where we're contemporaries at this point, you know, I'm not a little kid that is scared, um, you know, being Lois, not Rena. Um, and, um, you know, Tracy can't scare Lois there. There's nothing in it for her. Do you know what I mean? And one of the things I said to, to Jane, and we had a scene one day and, and I looked at her and I go, Hey, what is your relationship with Brooklyn? Do I have to be worried? She goes, no, no, no. Tracy loves Brooklyn. And that's all I wanted to hear. Like once I heard that Tracy loves Brooklyn, then the way Lois would come at Tracy wouldn't be as an enemy, but would be as a grandmother who just does stupid shit, you know? And so, um, I, I, it, it, it made it all the more fun because then it wasn't going to be this weird, you know, power play, who's going to win the scene kind of stuff. It's just going to be, you know, two women talking about a kid that, that everybody loves and, and admires. So I, I was very excited, um, at the prospect of working with Jane because I knew those scenes were going to be dynamic. Mm -hmm. And they are. Um, now, the show included some great flashbacks to the Ned Lois love story the other day, which featured a few of the memorable location shoots you took part in. So when Lois first married Eddie, not knowing yet that he was really Ned Ashton, um, now Ned Quartermain, you got to go to Coney Island for their honeymoon. So not that you haven't been asked it before, but tell us again, what do you remember about that experience? Oh, I remember everything about it. Well, first of all, the very first time I ever rode a roller coaster is on camera uh, in those scenes. Um, I remember, I don't know if you guys ever know this story, but um, Wally had to ride that roller coaster six times uh, with a body double because I refused to go on the roller coaster. And then finally, uh, Wendy Rich and Shelly Curtis um, decided they would go on it to prove to me that it would be okay. And, you know, and they're like, cause I had this whole monologue I had to do as it was going up and up and up and up and up and up and, up and, up and over and I had to time it. And I was so scared to do it because what if I screw up and I can't be on this roller coaster? I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm so scared of roller coasters and you see the shot and you see me going up in the roller coaster and I'm saying all this stuff and I'm so scared and I'm like, ah, oh, it's a metaphor for life. And, and, <laughs> 
you see the end of it and I'm laughing so hard because it was so much fun and I wanted to do it again. And if you look at Wally's face, he, who had already done it six times, he's like, I don't want to do this. Again. <laughs> and it was so fun. But, you know, the thing is also we we're in Brooklyn, right? Um, and Claire opened her home to us. People brought us um, fresh mozzarella. And it was just like, it was, it, I mean, it, being in Brooklyn with Claire was a whole different world. And, um, and of course, anytime you get to go on location on a soap opera is so much fun because we never go anywhere. <laughs> well, later Lois traveled to Puerto Rico for LNB Records, his own Miguel Morez's concert. And uh, Ned followed to try to win her back because this is after she busted him for lying to her about who he was and also for bigamy. So what stands yes. out about the uh, Puerto Rico location shoot? Well, I mean, you go to Brooklyn with Claire Levine, that's one thing. You go to Puerto Rico with uh, Ricky Martin, that's a whole other thing, <laughs> you know? It's like, oh my God, it was... It was, I mean, I mean, you're in Puerto Rico with Ricky Martin. He means a God there, right? And also one of the kindest people on this planet. And um, it was, it was just like, it was interesting too, because it was all this fanfare, but it really wasn't about us. It was about him. So we were like, ah, find you. <laughs> oh, they're, oh, they're here for him. Oh, okay. Okay. Um <laughs> But, you know, we got treated so well. I mean, it was just first class all the way and so much fun. And again, we don't get to go anywhere on soap. So when you do get to travel, it's it's amazing. It's and it's you know, you get I got to see Puerto Rico for the first time in my life. And not a bad way to see it then. Um, <laughs> now, if you had to curate a flashback montage to the original Ned Lois storyline, you know, what would make the cut? You know, what flashes through your head most vividly when you think back about playing that story? Um, I mean, I love the first scene that Nen Lois ever had where, you know, he's trying to hit on her and she's having none of it. And then he gets up and sings and she's like, holy crap, let me go run after this guy, <laughs> you know? And, and again, I think what was so great about it was those scenes playing Lois where she, you know, she she didn't sleep with him because she wanted anything from him. She she was somebody who always followed her heart and and you know followed what she wanted to do. Um, I love those scenes, but I mean, you know, there's nothing better than jumping out of the cake, really, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. You know, and I I um I even pitched um I even pitched it to uh Frank. I'm like, you gotta find a way to have her come back out of the cake somehow in some way. <laughs> but I don't think that's happening. <laughs> we can dream. Yes, exactly, exactly. We can dream. Well, um Claire Labine, uh the the late grade head writer, as we've as we've spoken of, who created the role of Lois, um, she was based in New York. Right. So I'm curious, like in terms of collaborating with her, getting to know her at all, how often did you actually get any, you know, face to face interaction with her? Oh, we got so much face to face. I mean, she would come out all the time. Um, but also Wendy Rich was such a incredible executive producer. You know, the thing I loved about Wendy is she really let Claire be Claire, you know, and she really let her create and write the characters that that she created and wrote and so um um 
it was it was just such a great uh, experience to to be there. But if I had any questions, I could call Claire. I would call her, be like, I want to ask you this, or I want to ask you that. Or sometimes she would call me and say, you know, I love what you're doing. And um, her son lived out here, one of her sons, um, who's an iron worker, and he uh, he was an artist in in ironworks and. I, um, I had, I did a bunch of work with him and, and just, I loved being part of their world and their family was just, uh, I mean, they were, they were giants literally and figuratively in my life. Just the most wonderful, wonderful people. Mm-hmm. Um, now Lois had a very close friendship with Brenda and Lois's childhood friend, Sonny back in the day. So is it safe to assume that we have some Sonny Lois interaction to look forward to? Well, why would I even destroy that hope in your world to, <laughs> to let you in on all that? But I will say that, um, um, you know, it's, it's very, very good to dream. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, okay. So you, you mentioned that your daughter had a viewing party. What were the reviews she gave you of the performance? She was, I mean, she was so excited. She's so excited. Then, then I said to her, why don't you, I hope if I'm working with your dad in December, maybe when you come out, you can come out, a, you know, a week early. And, you know, and of course I said to Wally, you know, I'll do anything to get my daughter to come back out here. Cause she never comes to LA. Um, but, um, uh, um, she, she loved it. You know, I mean, listen, I don't think she loved it so much because it was Ned Lois. She loved it because it was her mom and dad. Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. Of course. I love that. Um, Mm -hmm. now it is unique to daytime that it's even possible, you know, that in 2023, you could return to a character you started playing almost 30 years ago, uh, because obviously it requires that the show was still on the air. Um, Mm -hmm. what does it mean to you that people still care so deeply about Lois and feel such a warmth for the character and specifically your portrayal of her, that there was such excitement and buzz about your return? Well, that is, it is um, such validation for me that I did something right. You know, I've been an actress for a really long time and I played a lot of characters and nobody remembers almost all of them unless they're on like, unless they were part of a big show that it wasn't really about my character. It was just about the fact that I was on the big show. Um, But for people to remember Lois 27 years after I left the show or 30 years after I started the show is a validation to me that I did something really right. You know, it's it's not always that you connect so deeply with a character that it almost becomes a real person and um, to the fans and to the people watching. And I think that's what Lois really was, you know, and she was so unique um, with, with, you know, all the little aspects of her, not just the nails, not just the accent, not just the Brooklyn, uh, not just the music, not just the math, but it was, it was, it was all of those things that, that, that came out of the person that she was, that's what connected to the people. And I really think also it's a lesson to, soap operas as well um 
that if you create a character that isn't just face value, bad, good, evil, ingenue, uh, uh, um, you know, um, constantly um, being heartbroken, if you really create a character that has a depth to it, then people will connect to that character. And that's what people want to watch, you know, and that's also the responsibility of the actor too. the actor can take any character and create a depth to it simply by, you know, making the most of that character, but also fighting for um, that character's voice every single day and not giving up. And, you know, um, uh, Ed Scott used to call me his favorite pain in the ass when I was on Bold and the Beautiful. (laughs) I'm sure he would hate it if I said that out loud. (laughs) And I had no issue with him saying that because to be honest with you, I got it, you know, because I never was like, fine, I'll say what you want me to say. I was always like, no, no, no. Why am I saying this? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Or, you know, I would I would argue constantly, you know, why, why does she hate this person? Just because they're a woman, that doesn't make any sense. Let's figure out why. Or can I add this to give it some context? And is it okay? And, you know, I think as an actor, you have to fight for the, 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 the identity of the character that you're playing so that people love your character, not because you're on the show or who you're married to or how great you look in a bathing suit, but because they, they, they connect with who you are or they connect with why they feel a way they feel while you're playing who you're playing. I couldn't agree more. And I also think in a, that that um, helps to make a character storyline proof in a way where it doesn't matter if the plot's the best plot they've ever been part of or not so hot you still care mm-hmm. because it's bad character. Mm-hmm. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Well, in your uh, your cover story with Soap Opera Digest uh, about your return, you gave credit to the fans and their unwavering enthusiasm for Lois as helping to pave the way for this return. So before we very reluctantly let you go, we want to give you the floor to say thank you to those big Lois devotees who may be listening. Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, other than Taylor Swift fans, uh, uh, I don't think there are any greater fans on this planet than soap opera fans. And, you know, I mean, listen, if you're going to watch a show for 60 years and keep it on the air for 60 years, you know, you you got to be some kind of a fan, right? And and the only reason that we still have, sadly, but but gratefully, four shows left on the air is because of those fans, you know? And, um, um, you know... We as actors uh, would not be anywhere uh, without our fans, but we as soap actors, we wouldn't have jobs if it wasn't for our fans. So for for any of us to say that the fans of of these last four shows that are that are on the air, um, for for any of us to say that that doesn't matter or that um, that we somehow uh, are above all of that is 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 a complete and utter untruth. Um, it is because of the fans that we are able to continue having this kind of fun. And uh, I don't think Frank would have tried as hard to get me back had he not understood that of of the research that they had done, Lois was one of those characters that was at the top of their list of people they wanted to see come back to General Hospital. And that's why it was important enough to him to 
to get me back. And again, why it made it so easy for me to say yes, because I, as much as I loved playing her, I really love playing her for the people who really enjoy her. So to my fans, I say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, well, Rena, this has just been such a great chat. It's been so wonderful seeing you back. And uh, I look forward to seeing you, Lois's nails and everything that's coming up for as long as you're there. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Rena Sofer for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.